Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome. As we continue on in the study we're doing, of the New Testament, we're working through it a chapter at a time. Um, I, I have right here in my notes that this is our 200th uh, time since we started this particular series. 200 of these teachings have taken place now. Um, that's, that represents like four years, right? Almost four years um, since we started digging into the Bible uh, in the New Testament. And I said we'd do it in five. I actually looked the other day and it seems to me that after tonight there's 56 chapters of the Bible that we need to cover yet. So I'm, it'll be a little over five years, but not much. And then we'll move right into the Old Testament and that gives us the next 15 years and then we'll start over. And uh, so we got... We're good on Wednesdays for a while. <laughs> I just need, it's kind of convenient. I just go to the next chapter. What's next? Boom. Um, if you wonder what's next for us, we're going to move into the book of Hebrews. Um, and Hebrews is a great book. I'm looking forward to the study on Hebrews. Um, uh, we're just finishing up the letters that Paul wrote with Titus today. We've gone through all of Paul's letters now. Um, and some people believe that Paul wrote Hebrews, so I, I'm tacking it on there. I'm not sure. Uh, no one's really definitively sure. It could have been Paul. Um, some people think it might have been Apollos, but we don't know. It doesn't say, and so we, we have, you know, some educated guesses we can make. We can look some level to church history, although it's not very named very clearly in church history. They had some debate even way back then. So it made the canon. We know it's divinely inspired. It's a great book. And uh, so I'm looking forward to the study. There's some neat stuff, as there is in all of it, but you'll enjoy Hebrews, uh, and that's next and then we'll work through the um, letters of John, those three. Uh, well, we'll probably save those just before Revelation. We'll do James's stuff and Peter's stuff. And then we'll move into the John uh, 1, 2, and 3, and then Revelation, um, which should be fun too. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. And then we'll be into Genesis. That's awesome. Um, so that's where we're headed. This letter... Um, that Paul writes to Titus, these, these three that we've just studied, First and Second Timothy and Titus, were the last three that Paul wrote right at the end of uh, his life. And uh, I get a kick out of the fact that he spent this time encouraging the, uh, the young guys that he'd trained along the way, just to, just to stay focused and to keep pressing in and pressing on to Jesus. Um, at, at this point in history... The persecution of the church had been notched up a lot by um, the crazy emperor at the time, Nero, who blamed them for burning down Rome when he, in fact, did it himself. And so um, the church that had, um, other than sort of initial persecution from um, the, um, the synagogues and stuff, had uh, not been overly persecuted. Now they're getting it from pretty much every area. And uh, it's, it's difficult. So Paul is making sure that um, Timothy and Titus continue to press on. He says, look, this is what you're going to have to do. Don't be afraid. Just keep doing what you've been called to do. And he encourages them on, on how, to, how to do that. And he also, in these letters, has been talking about the important things that he wants to make sure they teach. And that um, this teaching, as we've seen, has is, is got far more to do with character than, than anything else. How Christians are supposed to live in the world has been the, the primary sort of subject of these last three letters. And in Titus chapter 3, um, Paul stresses here a couple of times that um, believers must devote themselves to doing what is good. 
that that needs to be our, our, our focus. Uh, we're going to follow Jesus and we're going to do what's good. We talk about that here at the Vineyard all the time with the wording um, living by trying to do the next right thing. That, um, that this living, as we understand this, this idea, isn't that we're trying to earn our salvation in any way or, or um, we're, we're not trying to somehow, you know... Um, um, hope that God will love us more because he can't he loves us completely already unconditionally amazingly uh, that's all been given to us none of that can be earned um, the idea of living by doing the next right thing living to do what's right is really a response that comes from a heart that realizes and, and is in awe of this love that God has for us and for what he's done for us the lengths he's gone um, on our behalf uh, at the cross and, and uh, you know just how amazing that is so that, that we could have full and abundant now and forever life that's what Jesus came to do and, and we've seen that he, he came that we might have life full and abundant now and forever life and, and the response you know when we, when we allow that to when we take that in fully um what that means that that, that there's, we don't deserve it um, none of us deserve it uh, and, and yet God loves us so much that that he's made a way for us to experience life now and forever in him our response from from taking that in is that then Lord you know I want to live for you I want to live your way uh, and and uh, whatever that looks like and so this is sort of the call here in the third chapter of Titus to, to make every effort to live um, doing the next right thing to, to do what's right to, to live for him and to, um, to do what's good that, that's, how, that's how we should be known so let's dig in 15 verses uh, it shouldn't take real long uh, there's a couple of things that I think pop out that I want to talk about but let's read Titus chapter 3 I'm going to read out of the NIV that's what's on the notes that I gave you um, but you can read along in whatever translation you'd like and uh, here we go, Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all men. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. 
As soon as I send Artemis or Tychius to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, Nicopolis, pardon me, because I have decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenos and uh, the lawyer and Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they might provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay. So, um, nice, nice chapter there at the end. Like I said, um, we're, we're, this is going to kind of conclude what we know from, of, of Paul's writings to us. And uh, he says some fascinating stuff in there. I think things that, that grab our attention um, uh, in those first couple of verses... Um, and uh, particularly in verse 1 when he says that uh, the people are to be subject to rulers and authorities to be obedient and to be ready to do what is good. Now, um, as, as believers, our first and primary allegiance is to Jesus. He's our Lord. Uh, and under his lordship, we're to be good citizens. We're to live as good citizens. We're to live at peace with the government, as long as the government allows us to live in accordance with basic Christian beliefs. Um, that's, that's sort of the directive that we have. Um, Paul has taught this before. Now remember, Paul's teaching this, um, and, and they are virtually um, uh, in this dictatorial, nightmarish government setting. And uh, he's, you've, you've watched him be attacked. He's a Roman citizen, and yet he's been in trouble for all sorts of stuff throughout his, his life. Uh, and he's appealed, and he's been thrown in prison without uh, uh, a purpose. And yet he, he writes constantly about the fact that, that as believers, we're, we're to be good citizens, um, and it, especially to the extent that they allow us to, to live this life and what that looks like. And, and in Romans 13... Um, he wrote this in the first seven verses. I just wanted to say it as a reminder because how important this is. Everyone, he said, must submit himself to the governing authorities for there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authorities rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do what is right but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and he'll commend you. For he is God's servant and uh, to you to do good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He's God's servant and agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Um, uh, Those may not be very popular ideas and statements um, and yet this is what we're called to as we try to live this thing out where um, uh, we're fortunate to live in a country where we have a, a voice and we have a vote um, and, and yet it's you know it's not always going to be everything we want it to be or, or think that it could be or, and we, we certainly have the opportunity to, um, to raise our voices however uh, we are still challenged to be good citizens and to pray for our leaders, even when we don't agree with them, and, and to do our best to, um, to live 
in a way that, that pleases God. Now, um, it doesn't mean that we go along with things that aren't godly. It, it just means that, that we, we need to um, uh, do our, like I said, like our best to, um, to be good citizens, whatever that looks like. And then, you know, there's a lot of range in that, but, but that's what we're supposed to be doing. And, and uh, so, like I said, we need to pray diligently for people that are in authority. And, um, and we need to be living by trying to do the next right thing. So uh, I, I like this sort of little template for, for that question, because how do we know what that looks like? How do we know what it looks like to do the next right thing? And I have these little four questions that I like to ask, and I've, I've, uh, I've run them by you before, but I think they're, they're great sort of um, refresher stuff that we should have written down and think about when we're trying to figure out what the next right thing is. So the first thing that you should always ask yourself when you're trying to figure out what the next right thing is this is, is it respectful? Is it respectful? Um, we're challenged to show proper respect to everybody. Uh, and we've been talking about that a lot. We're, we're to see the beauty of people's potential. Treat people with respect. Um, golden rule stuff. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Don't... Um, uh, remember, I've, I, we've talked about this a lot. That, that, that golden rule that Jesus taught is, is that we're to treat people the way we want to be treated, not treat people the way they treat us. Um, culturally, we live in that dynamic. Pretty much, we live in a culture where where people tend to um, wait to see how they're going to be treated, and then they treat in in like fashion, whatever that looks like, good, bad, or indifferent. But we're to um, we're to be careful to treat others well, uh, and and then um, uh, how they treat us back, how they respond, is between them and God. We don't need to be you know abused, but um, we 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 want to consistently treat people the way we want to be treated. That's part of what we do. So. First big question about what we're going to do, whether it's right or not, is it respectful? And uh, if it's not, we shouldn't do it. Second quick thing to kind of run through in your mind about what you should do is, is it loving? And, um, you know, our love for God and our love for others is, is the greatest witness that we have in the world about who God is. And so um, if what we're about to do isn't loving, then it probably shouldn't be done. That's probably not the next right thing. If it's, if it's, not, uh, if it's not respectful and it's not loving... Probably shouldn't happen. Um, is it godly? Third little question. Is it godly? And so, um, you know, uh, because we're in Christ, is what we're about to do next something that would please God? And, and that's, the, that's a, you know, it's a good question. If it's, if it's going to please God, then do it. If it's not, then you probably shouldn't do it. And, uh, and then fourth, I always like to toss this one there too, just as something to think about. Um, D... Little fourth point: Is it legal? Is it legal? Oh, yeah, I, I like that. Because um, uh, uh, here's the thing: we often um, we often try and and uh, rationalize, tell rationalize about doing things that we're not supposed to do. And uh, is what you're about to do legal? Not what's your opinion on the matter. Just is it legal? Now, those are great questions. I'm not saying that you won't sometimes go ahead and do what you want to do anyway, because we have this in nature. But they are really good questions. And uh, they're challenging questions. And I think it's a, it's a challenge to live by doing the next right thing. I really do. I, I think we, um, we're so used to living in a cultural dynamic where, where people um, don't live by doing the next right thing. They do what's expedient to them. They do what they think is going to be best for them. And where it falls in, in that category just doesn't make that much difference to most people culturally. Uh, and yet, to us, it should. And so, th- does that mean that it's it's harder for us? At some levels, it is. It's harder to do the right thing. 
lot of times doing the next right thing is the hardest thing to do. It's the best thing to do, but it's not always the easiest thing to do. It's, it's oftentimes the hardest thing to do. And yet, that's what we're called to. And so, you know, I, I, I've run those through um, uh, my life in lots of different scenarios. I, I, you know, there's a lot of times when I haven't done the right thing, and that's sin. Um, lots of times. I still don't always do the right thing. That's sin. But at least I, uh, yeah, I try to stop myself and run through the questions. <laughs> anyway. And generally, you know, one or two, generally, is it respectful? Is it loving? That, you know, if it's not there, then, you know, the next couple are, you know, is it godly? And that, that should make you stop. And if not, is it legal? It should certainly make you stop. But that doesn't always do it that way. Um, but, you know, the life of a disciple is more than just about um, not doing what's wrong. It's about becoming the person that God created us and called us to be. So that's, the, that's why it's worth it to do the next right thing. It's not about just not doing what's wrong. It's about becoming the person that God created you to be. Because as you step into that, see, the, uh, some of the things that Paul was saying is like, look, if you're doing the right, next right thing, then, then you don't have to worry about everything else so much. Um, have, have you ever done something that you shouldn't have done and then you spent the next huge period of time worrying that you're either going to get caught or found out or there's going to be consequences? Do you know what I'm talking about? And then, and then you're like, then you, and, and it wasn't worth it. But all that stress and everything that you, you end up causing is never worth it. And, and that's hopefully what we learn over time. And uh, the quicker we learn it, the easier, you know, the earlier we learn, I think the better off we are. Because life is found in, in this whole process of doing the next right thing because there's, there's a peace that comes from it. There's a freedom that comes from it. There's, um, there's a gain to living His way. And it's worth it. It may not be the easiest thing. And it may not always seem the fairest thing. And, it, and oftentimes you can go, well, everybody else does it. And, and, you know, it seems to be working for them. But uh, it's always the best thing to live for Jesus and to do it his way. Titus 3, 4, and 8, he said this, When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. That's because we've been saved, because we have the Holy Spirit living on us, because of, of all that God has done for us. Not because we earned it, because we couldn't earn it. And not that we're trying to earn it now by doing the next right thing, but because this is how we experience life, real life, is, is following after Him to the best of our ability. And, and failing, and then asking forgiveness, and then trying to do the next right thing again. The last chunk of verses there. 9 through 15. Let me just read 9 to you because um, we'll talk about it for a minute. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Um, he's, he's just again warning um, Titus like he did Timothy. Look, watch what you get distracted by. Um, don't focus your attention and your energies on things that really don't matter. Uh, you know, I, I, what we need to do is we need to stay focused on the main things. I, sometimes I'll say, you know, let's focus on the main things, the plain things, and the same things. 
Um, and, and if we're doing that, we stay in, in a pretty good spot. Um, don't get distracted by arguments and, and controversies and sort of little, uh, you know, random ideas that really don't make a big difference. And stay focused on what really matters. Stay, stay focused on Jesus and the things that really matter. And, and don't get sidetracked. I think sometimes the church has gotten so off track because we've run down these little trails that just don't make a difference. And, and uh, we've lost sight of what's important. You know, and, and uh, Paul's making sure that Titus and Timothy don't lose sight of what's important. Why is the church here? We're here to tell people the good news. Really, that's why we don't get zapped up into heaven moment we get saved we have a purpose we have a mission and that's to let people know there's hope we're ambassadors we're, we're called to that that's the purpose that's and and too often the church has gotten sidetracked on things that just don't matter and so we, we need to stay focused in that live by doing the next right thing because that's where we find life and that's what attracts other people to jesus and so you know first corinthians 420 says the kingdom of god isn't a matter of talk but of power so let's not get caught you know in in, in wasting our time in things that don't make a difference. But let's live this thing out so that, that um, people can come and know Jesus. And then Paul ends the letter like he does with most of his greetings. And uh, he, you know, he says, say hi to this one and I need to see that one and we'll send this one here on their way and we'll send that one along. And uh, he just is encouraging everybody on his way. And uh, again, last, last writing that we're for sure is from Paul is what we just finished. This, that was it. And uh, I think his, knowing that he was, he, he knew he was close to the end of his race, um, that he finishes with such great encouragement is an encouragement to all of us uh, and, uh, and reminds us that that's what we're to be doing as we press on. Encourage people, live this life the best that we can. It's not always going to be easy, but it's still the best life there is. And, uh, and as we do it, we find life. And so that was his encouragement to all of us. That's enough for tonight. If you're watching by video or on television, thank you so much for spending this time with us. We appreciate it very, very much. We know how valuable your time is. Um, come and visit us when you can. If you're on Big Pie, we'd love to see you. If you need prayer, go to our website at keysvineyard.com and there's a prayer page. Just send us a prayer. We'd be happy to pray for you or call us. The number's there. And uh, we'd love to see you soon.